It is great to be with you uh, this morning. Uh, my name is Gary Weber, and I'm the pastor at Southside, and it is uh, good to have you with us. If it's your first time, again, welcome. If you're joining us on our live stream or through our podcast, I want to say welcome to you, too. We are continuing in a series that we are calling Invested, and the idea behind the series is pretty simple. It's just that God has given us stuff. He's, all, he's given us a certain amount of stuff, and he's given us a certain amount of time, and we have that time to invest that stuff in something. You invest your treasure, you are also depositing a piece of your heart. So he says, be careful. Be careful where you invest things. And to look at this over the course of several weeks, we decided we'd take a look at some stories that Jesus told that kind of illustrate this. And so we we looked in Matthew chapter 25, and there are three stories back-to-back in Matthew 25 where Jesus gives us examples about people who made certain kinds of investments with certain parts of their life. Last week, we looked at the first story, which was an investment of time, how we use our time. Next week, we're going to look at how Jesus uh, used an illustration about how people invest their treasure. But today I want us to look at the middle parable in Matthew 25. And maybe it's the most famous parable in the set of three. One that I'm sure many of you have heard before. Uh, Maybe you've studied it before. You've read it before. You've at least heard it referred to before. And it's called the parable of the talents. So if you have a Bible with you, open to Matthew 25 and we'll start in verse 14 in in just a few minutes. Now I want to give you just an idea about the word talent because depending on which version of the Bible you use, uh, your translation may or may not use that word. Of course, when we use the word talent in English, we think of somebody who can sing or who can write, or we think of somebody who's got a, a, a talent with, with numbers, or maybe they've got a talent uh, with a craft or a trade, and we think of talent in that regard. Um, when the Bible uses the word talent, it was actually a measurement of money. So it was sort of a, a, a denomination or a, a collection of money, a certain amount of money, equal to about a bag of gold. So it was not insignificant. It was a lot. But that word, that word talent, we have taken that word in English and we've kind of broadened it out to refer to lots of things that people are given, things that people have that they can give back. And it's an actually, it's a very good and accurate use of the word based on the parable we're going we're gonna to look at today. Now, if you're like me, you see people with talent all the time. And if you're also like me in a negative way, you have maybe had times where you've been like, Dang, I wish I could do that. How many of you have ever felt that way? Like you saw somebody else who could do something, you saw a talent. Come on, let me see your hands, everybody. Who has never lied in church? Okay, if you're not raising your hand. Okay. Yeah, we all have struggled with this idea where you see somebody and it just seems like, man, they, they can, why can they do that and I can't? And, and sometimes that is a trap we fall into and we fail to recognize what it is that God has given to us and we, we sort of let it sit idle while we instead spend our time regretting or envying the things that other people have. That's exactly the situation that happens in this story that Jesus told in Matthew 25. So let's take a look at this for just a few minutes and see what it is that Jesus is telling us through this story about how we invest our talent. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey... Who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on a journey. All right, so so we see in this passage already a couple things. First of all, that the bag 
and what was in the bag did not belong to the servant. Jesus is making it very clear that there is a master who owns all this stuff. It belongs to him, and he is entrusting it to servants. So it doesn't really belong to the person who is going to possess it for the next period of time. And the second thing we learn from this is that these gifts, these ta- this talent, this talent of money, this bag of money, was given to each of them based on their ability. So the master had obviously worked with these servants before. He kind of knew who would be able to do what with what and gave the gifts out, gave the gold out accordingly. So, so we've got three servants. We've got the guy with five bags. We've got the guy with two bags. And we've got the guy with one bag. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. Ah, so, so far, it's working out just like it should. Okay, these guys have got their bags. The five-bag guy goes out, gets to work, uses what's in the bag, makes more. The guy who's got two bags goes out, makes more, makes more with what it's got. Everything's going well. Verse 18, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid the master's money. Verse 19, after a long time. Now, This is sort of a a euphemism that Jesus is using that basically means after a lifetime. So we're not just talking months or weeks, but basically after the period of these guys' lives. This is sort of the end of their life as they're looking back and reflecting over their life. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. So the master's coming back and basically saying, what did you do with what you'd been given? What did you do with what I had entrusted with you? It's time for us to settle up accounts. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now already, those of us who are listening to Jesus tell this story know there's a problem. Because it's gone really well for the first guy. The five-bag guy, he's in good shape. He's getting to enjoy the master's happiness. The two-bag guy, he did exactly what he was supposed to do, and he's getting to enjoy the master's happiness. But we all already know what the one-bag guy has done with his one bag. Now, the master's about to find out, but we the, we, the listener to the story, already know this is not going to go well. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went and hid your gold in the sand. See, here is what belongs to you. Now, I want you to notice something different in the language because Jesus has set up a rhythm here. If you look back and you were to look at, um, at verses 20 through 23, you kind of see a repeated pattern. Jesus says the same thing to the guy with five bags. The guy with five bags repeats back the same thing that then the guy with two bags says back. He says, here, this is what you've entrusted to me. You've entrusted me with this. See, I've made this. But notice something about the one bag guy. 
The one bad guy is the only one of the three who did not use the word entrusted. He didn't say that. Instead, he said that you have given me, this is, what you, this is what you have left with me, here is what belongs to you. Not that it was entrusted to me, but this is yours, and he kind of blames the master for his lack of faithfulness. Did you get that? I knew that you were a hard man, that you planted where you haven't sown, you harvest where you haven't reaped, so here, take back what's yours, because I didn't lose any of it. And he blames the master For his failure to be faithful. Look what Jesus says, the master says in verse 26. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Now, notice something else. That that the master is just reflecting back to the servant, the servant's own opinion of the master. We don't know that that was really the nature of the master. But, but it tells me that oftentimes the idea that we project on God is the very idea that sometimes get projected back to me. Some of you have flawed ideas of who God is and how he operates. And you project that back on God and so you see that image reflected back to you when it may or may not be the accurate image of who God really is, which is why you need to be in God's word and in a community of faith where you can study the scriptures together and get an accurate picture of how the master really is. So he says to him, so you thought I was this way. If you thought I was this way, you thought I was a hard man, well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him who gi- and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Now, this seems kind of odd to us. We think, well, why wouldn't you give it to the two bag guy? That's kind of what I've always thought. You know, the, the, ten, the, the five bad guys already got 10. The two bad guy, he was faithful. He's only got four. Give it, to the, give it to the two bad guy. Why doesn't he do that? Well, because you give more opportunities to the person who has done more with the opportunities they've already had, don't you? You do this. Those of you who run businesses, or I mean, this is what you do. You give more opportunity to people who do more with the opportunities they've already been given. That's what Jesus is saying the master did. He took the bag from the one and gave it to the guy with ten. Listen to what Jesus said in another passage, Luke chapter 12. He said this, Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, there's our word again, entrusted, they will demand the more. Now, what, you know what that tells me? That tells me that all of us in this room have a certain amount of responsibility that we should be keenly aware of because much has been entrusted to us. You sit in the wealthiest nation in the world, no matter what the media says, no matter what politicians say, in one of the wealthiest times that we've ever lived. Americans and Christians in particular in America have more disposable income than they have ever had before in all of the history of Christianity put together to whom much is given, much is required. And there will come a time when the master will come and say, what have you done with what I've given to you? This passage, this story should make you a little bit uncomfortable. It should make you a little bit nervous. To whom much is given, much will be required. There's not been a a period of time in Christian history where Christians have had more freedom than Christians in America have today. That's an opportunity. It's something that's been entrusted to us. What do we do with it? What do we do with the freedom that we have been given by God? 
Are we using it? Are we bearing it? What are we doing with the disposable income, the wealth that God has given the church in America? Are we using it or are we bearing it? To whom much is given, much is required. Back to Matthew 25, verse 29. Here's what the master says. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I I thought about this idea of gnashing teeth. I don't know if you think about this much. You guys kind of pay me to sit around and think about stuff like that. So I thought about, when are the times that I have gnashed my teeth? Like, think about that. When do you gnash your teeth? Don't you gnash your teeth when you're frustrated? Like, don't you just... You just you get to that point where you're absolutely beside yourself. There's nothing you can do anymore. It's outside of your control. Maybe it was an opportunity you missed. Maybe it was somebody who failed at something and, and the opportunity is gone. And there's nothing else you can do. So you gnash your teeth. I think this servant is gnashing his teeth because he realized he missed an opportunity. That he gets to the end of his life... He hears the words of the master. He sees what the other people did with what was entrusted to them, and he gnashes his teeth. And I don't want to get to the end of my life and gnash my teeth, do you? I mean, I know there's a whole other thing going on here, and we can talk about heaven and hell and all those things, and, and, and that, those are important concepts. But, but just from a practical standpoint, have you already reached a point in your life where you've gnashed your teeth over missed opportunities that you've already had that have gone by? Because maybe you just weren't faithful with the time that you had. You weren't faithful to, to steward the lives that were entrusted to you for a very little bit of time. You weren't faithful with a little bit of money for just a little bit of time. And you look back on your life now and you gnash your teeth. You don't have to die to get to the point where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And how tragic it would be to live our lives in such a way that we reach the end of our life and we're weeping and we're gnashing our teeth because the opportunity has passed us by. And here's what's true about most of us in the room. We are too bag kind of people. Most of us. We're too bag kind of people. What do I mean by that? Well, we're too bag kind of people, meaning that we aren't five baggers. There are people who've got more than us. We can all stand around and and point out people in our country, maybe even people in our community, maybe even people right here in this church. And you'd say, well, they're a five bagger. I'm not a five bagger for sure. We all agree we're not a five bagger. But, But here's what I also know is true about all of us. We're not one baggers either. None of us are one baggers, just based on the fact of where we live and the opportunity we have given where we live. We're not one-baggers. So, so almost all of us in the room, if not all of us, are two-bagger people. And, and, and here, here's what I know about your bag, because it's the same as about my bag. Inside your bag, there are all kinds of things. You have all been given or entrusted with a certain amount of money. Yes, it's my daughter's piggy bank, so I just want to make that clear. I'm, I don't mind a pink-hearted piggy bank, but it's not mine. All right, so we've all been given a certain amount of money. Now, some of you, some of you, started out life with a lot of money. I don't know how you did that. Maybe a parent left it to you. I don't know. Some of you were able to, 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 to honestly, if you were being honest, you don't know how you ended up having the money you have. It just, you, you just got lucky. I mean, it just happened. Some of you have been given money. You've worked really hard for your money. But all of us right now in our bag have a certain amount of money that belongs to us. Uh, for, for some of us who are still working, we have jobs, right? We may have a job that, that we go to or certain things that we're responsible for at work. Um, for some, 
not all, not all but you, you might have a certain amount of athletic ability, if not athletic ability, maybe just a certain amount of health. Uh, to, to one degree or another, you had enough, enough health to get here today, right? Not everybody has that kind of health to be here today. Some of them are watching online because they can't physically be here. But you had enough, so we've all been given a certain amount of health or, or, or wellness. Um, we all sort of have in our bags uh, sort of our history, our story, um, our scrapbook of our life, things that happened to us, um, maybe, maybe a school that you went to, friends that you were, that you were given for a certain period of time, um, opportunities that you had based on the school. And, and here's what I also know is, about, know is true about you. When you started your school career, you had no choice where you went. Somebody else made that decision, right? So you ended up going to a school that you just kind of went to, and given where you lived, or given who your parents were, or given how much money they had, you had certain educational opportunities that other people may or may not have had. Uh, Some of you went to really good schools, and that gave you opportunities that you might not have otherwise had. Others of you had to go to maybe lower-performing schools, and and you had to work really hard because you weren't given the natural advantages of an education. Some of you were able to go to college because mom and dad were able to pay for it, or you were able to get some scholarships. Others were never able to do that. just because, just that's, the, that's what was in your bag. You just weren't able to do that. All right, so, so all of us have got in our bag a certain amount of time that we've been given. And we don't know how much time that is. I mean, we just know that we're going to live a certain number of days, and we've been given that time. Um, some of you have got, you know, kind of an, an education, or you've gained knowledge in one way or another. Uh, maybe you are self-taught. Maybe you went to trade school, but you've got a certain kind of education. Um, maybe you've got some accomplishments and some things you're proud of from your, from your growing up. Um, so all of us have got a family of some kind. I mean, everybody's got to have, at least biologically, a mom and a dad. You didn't, get to, you didn't get to choose them. And they didn't get to choose you unless you're adopted, which is awesome, because then you can't say, I was chosen. But, but for the most of us, most of us, we just got what was in our bag, Right? I mean, you, you didn't, your dad was the way your dad was, your mom was the way your mom was, your brothers and your sisters, you know, that's just who you got. That's just your family. You just have them. That's just what they are. Some people maybe have certain talents and you've got natural inclinations and maybe you can paint or maybe you can sing, but maybe you don't even know how you got that talent. Maybe you've, maybe you've gone to school and you've worked on it a little bit. Maybe you've learned a few things about how to play an instrument, or maybe you learned a few things about how to paint or, or how to write better. But if you're honest, there's just a certain amount that was there. Some of you have some skills, and you can build stuff or do things with your hands. So there's all kinds of things that are in our bags. Then there are some things in our bags that, quite honestly, nobody else has in their bag. It just makes us who we are, that kind of odd weirdness that is you, Okay. And if you don't know what that is, you can see anybody else afterwards who knows you. They'll tell you. <laughs> now, now here, here's, here's why I say this, okay? Everybody's got a certain amount of baggage that you were given in your life. And there are things in your bag that you have no control over. You have no control. There are things in your bag that you're proud of. There are things in your bag that you're excited about. There are resources in your bag that you recognize are tremendous assets. But if we're all really honest, there are things in our bag that we would also say are liabilities. There are limitations. 
Uh, maybe it's a limitation of money. Maybe it's a limitation of education. Maybe it's a limitation of, of what we see as, as skill or talent. Or maybe it's something in our past, some, a choice that we made that, that has made life hard. Or maybe it was a choice that someone else made and it's made life hard. But we've all got a certain amount of stuff in our bags and this is what we have. And if you're a Christian or if you just believe in God who is in control of things, then you have to believe that God is not, is not powerless over what is in your bag. That he has given you certain things in your bag. And some of them you like, and some of them you don't. And when you look around you at the bags that other people have, there are times where you are jealous of what's in their bag. Like, well, I wish I had what was in his bag. If I only had what was in her bag, if God had only put in my bag, if God had kept this family member out of my bag, my life would look different today. We've all been given a certain amount of bags. And, and here's, here's what's so important. See, it's not what is in your bag that matters. What's important is not what is in your bag. It's what you do with what is in your bag. You get me? The important thing is not what is in your bag. What you have in your bag is less important than what you do with what you have. And this is what the one bag guy did not understand. Because he spent all of his time looking at the five bag guy and at the two bag guy, failing to recognize that he was only responsible for his one bag. And because he spent all of his time looking at what other people had instead of recognizing that he wasn't responsible for what he didn't have, he was only responsible for what he did have, he got to the end of his life and he gnashed his teeth because of the opportunity that he missed. And I don't want to be that guy. And I don't want any of you to be that guy or that gal. I want us to understand that what we have in our bag, we may or may not have any control over it. But we do have control over how we invest what is in our bag. And rather than spending time being jealous and envious of what other people have, because here's, here's what's true. The 10th commandment, the very last commandment that, that God gave to Moses, the Ten Commandments, the last one is, thou shalt not covet. Now, we don't talk a lot about coveting, but we live in a culture that that's all we do. I mean, you, all you have to do is listen to the radio, watch TV, go online. Every ad is designed to make you covet something that you do not have. That's the purpose of it. And what happens when you begin to covet? You begin to look at other people's bags and fail to recognize that you're not responsible for the other people's bags. You're only responsible for what you have in your bag. The magazines that you read, the programs you watch, are you living content with what's in your bag and intent on investing it well so that you get to the end of your life and you have something to show for what you've invested? Let me give you a secret about how you can overcome greed and covetousness. And nobody in here would say you're greedy. Nobody says that, okay? No, nobody says that about themselves. But if you ever spend, if you spend any amount of your time wishing you had something that you don't have, thinking to yourself, well, if I had what she had, I'd be more generous. If I could do what he could do, I would serve the Lord. If that's you, you are in danger of being the one bag person. So let me give you a secret about what you can do. 
celebrate what has been entrusted to others and use what God has entrusted to you. That is the recipe for overcoming greed and covetousness. You celebrate what's been entrusted to other people. And some of you may have to fake it till you make it. You know, I mean, like, like you're really not happy that they got a new car or a new house or that they got the higher paying job. You may not be happy about that, so you have to fake it till you make it. If you celebrate what God has done for them, what God has given them, if you celebrate the fact that, you know what, they were born into a family, they had education opportunities I didn't have, praise the Lord that God gave them that. God's going to do something great with them through that education they got, through those resources that they have. You spend time celebrating what God has entrusted to other people and instead use what God has entrusted to you. Don't bury it. So some of you have experiences that are in your bag. They're good experiences and they're bad experiences. Are you using them? Are you investing them? Especially the bad experiences. There are many of you in here who have been through some very painful things. Some of you who have overcome addictions. Others who have gone through divorce or lost a child. Do you realize that is something in your bag? That's in your bag. And you, don't, you, you maybe sometimes wish it weren't in your bag, but it's there. It's there. Are you going to invest it? Are you going to reach out and invest that experience in the life of somebody else who's battling addictions, who's going through the loss of a child, who's going through a divorce? Are you going to use what's in your bag, or are you going to spend all your time being greedy and wishing that that wasn't in your bag? Well, if if only I hadn't gone through that divorce, if only I hadn't gone through the bankruptcy, if only I hadn't gone through the addiction, then I would be in a position to be used by God instead of realizing that's the very thing God may have entrusted to you for you to use for his glory. Some of you have been able to acquire wealth. Wealth. Why Why did God allow you to acquire wealth? And you think, well, I worked hard. I went to school and I worked hard and and I built this business up from nothing and this, I did this. No, you didn't. You didn't do that because God gave you the opportunity by where you were born. If God had seen fit for you to be born in certain parts of our world, you would be hungry just like the people who live in that part of the world. No matter how smart you are, no no matter how hard you work. See, God has given you that opportunity. What are you doing with it? Did God increase your standard of living just so that you could live better? Or did he increase your standard of living so you could be more generous and make a difference in the world? Come on. Because at the end, that's all that you're going to have left is whatever you've invested. Because anything that you've held on to, the master's going to say, you know what, I'm going to take that back from you. And I'm going to give it to the tin bag guy. Because that's just a principle of the kingdom. Now, here's what I I want you to, to think about. Because it's not about money. If you think it's just about money, then you're not listening to what I'm saying. Some of you have been given time. You 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 reached retirement. And you are thinking, man, I've got this, I've got time on my hands now. I've got time. What am I going to do with it? I, I, I look around and I see so many people who have taken the time that they've been given. They worked hard, they were able to retire, and then they turn around and they give that time back. They invest that time back in the kingdom. I think about people who've had experiences and educations and careers who they've figured out ways to turn around and they've invested it back in the kingdom. I think about my friend, Dr. Julie Branham, who retired school principal. Julie helped us set up the faith-based partnership at Landon Middle School because of her experience as a, as a principal. She's retired. She was able to leverage that to establish what is, what is probably one of the finest examples of a faith-based partnership between a church and a, faith, and a school in the city of Jacksonville. Why? Because she used what was in her bag. She was a principal. She was retired. She had time. She did it. I think about, I think about our church administrator, Charles Baggs. 
Charles was a successful business person, worked uh, for 30 years in his career. He was able to retire. I went to him several years back. We'd been without a church administrator. I I said, Charles, um, would you come be our church administrator part-time? I'll pay you a dollar a year. He said, I'll do it for two. I said, I'll take it. He invested it back. You know, it's not about what's in your bag. It's about how you use what's in your bag. I think about retirees who give their time to drive senior adults to pick up medications or who meet with a refugee family in order to help them navigate the complicated immigration system. I think about the the, the man or the woman who take time to go over to Landon and sit down with a middle school kid who for the whole year might not even talk to him, but they're so determined that that kid's going to know there's an adult who cares for them, who's praying for them. See, it's not about what's in your bag. It's about what you do with what's in your bag. You've got no control over what's in your bag. Here you are at this point of your life. There were some bags entrusted to you. What are you going to do with them? How are you going to invest them? Please don't waste your time. Please don't waste your time. Don't waste the opportunity that God has given you looking at other people's bags and saying, if only. If only I could do that, if only I had that, then I could be used by God. No. Just look at what God's entrusted to you. Take it, invest it in his kingdom. And then hear those words that he's going to say. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were entrusted with a little. Come and enjoy your master's riches. Father, we come to you today. Um, overwhelmed with gratitude because, in fact, we are all (laughs) rich beyond measure. And Lord, I know there are people in this room right now who might not feel rich. But, But in fact, the opportunities that we've given, the freedom that we have, Lord, I fear that we spend so much time wishing we were the five-bag guy or we're a one-bag person wishing we were the two-bag person that we may miss what's in our bag and bury it and come to the end of our life and gnash our teeth thinking, oh, if I'd only known, if I'd only known that you allowed me to go through that pain so that you could use that pain to make somebody else's pain less, if I'd only known, if I'd only known that my career wasn't a secular career, but it was, a, it was a divine, holy gift, calling that I could use to build your kingdom if I'd only known what was in my bag and how to use it. God, I pray that nobody hearing my voice right now, whether they're hearing it live in this moment or they're hearing it later on a podcast, I pray that nobody hearing my voice right now gets to the end of their life and regrets not using what you'd entrusted to them. Father, as a church, you have given us so much. Lord, help us as a people know how to use the opportunities, the freedom, the resources that we may pour ourselves back into your kingdom until all have heard about the Savior who poured out everything for us. That our worth is not found in what we own. Our worth is not found in our talent. Our worth is not found in our career. Our worth is found in knowing that we are yours. And that you've loved us. And you've demonstrated that love by giving your son for us. How can we not in turn surrender everything we have for you? Holy Spirit, speak to us now. Move in our hearts now. 
that we may learn how to be generous as you are generous. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.